Let loose. Run loose. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 24 of 2, 5, and 10. As always, I am one of your extremely handsome co-hosts, Kevin Charles, and always accompanied by the extremely handsome, witty, from Long Island, Ben Stewart. Benny, give him a shout. The most handsome. And I think this is our first episode where our guest is also a uh, sponsor. Yes, I mean, this was uh, the best two-for-one I could ever ask for. Um, I didn't tell Benny on the background what I got. It will not be advertised. But uh, welcome to the podcast, Mr. Chris Stratford, the owner of Stratford Landscape Contracting. Today, I am just here as a hockey analyst. No business, no shout-outs, no promo code, so don't even think about it, all right? <laughs> just here to talk some hockey. At least he's up front. At least he's up front. There will not be a 17% discount, so don't call, no, don't no, text. No, no, Sorry, Phil. Don't even think about it, all right? Uh, so Phil was actually running a uh, 17 Jimmy promo this week that it was going to be exactly 17 Jimmys already pre-bagged and just dumped on top of ice cream. So we're going to work on it. All right. Um, well, I guess we'll fire it up since we're already with it. We, we got the two Boston boys to one New Yorker. Benny's outnumbered. I know the streak ended last night, but Bruins were on a 19-game point streak. The, uh, the boys were on fire. Uh, fire away, Stratty. Well, uh, first I'd like to thank Ben because, you know, after losing to the Rangers on uh, January 19th, the boys finally lit a fire underneath their ass. So I guess losing to those uh, dumpster fire really got the boys going. But, I mean, uh, well, that could help. yeah, you know, much appreciated, but. Great streak for the boys. I mean, some some gutty victories, especially those last two last-minute comeback victories. And uh, biggest thing, I mean, Tuka Rask. Guy hasn't lost in his last 19 games, 16-0-3. I mean, had a little uh, freak-out beginning of the year, went on a sabbatical. Not really sure uh, where uh, Sween sent him, but wherever they sent him, it worked because the guy's been on fire, so... Great to see from the boys, especially coming into the end of the season stretch here when we need to be playing our best hockey. I'm actually personally going to take um, the fault of last night because it was one of the first games in a while that I wasn't with you drinking. So through that, I mean, that I feel like very good points. I may have faulted the boys. Um, one thing with me, at least, was the last two games. I know it was kind of like a heart attack kid thing at the end where – they come in and they pull out a miraculous W, especially the one Thursday where they're down and then they tie it and then they win. The one thing with me, though, it was a great run. But the last two games, I was kind of like, you should not be down to the wire with Ottawa and Florida. Like, I, I think, you know, the, the steam was kind of rolling off the train a little bit going off. But it was kind of like, boys, we have to play better, especially against these teams. I know we have a good cushion right now against Toronto and currently second in the whole nhl phenomenal but those are teams you got to beat Th that shouldn't be down to the wire those teams shouldn't even be getting a point out of you it should just kind of be blowing them out of the barn a little bit yeah i mean especially after coming off the week before two huge victories over the sharks and the lightning handily taking both of those teams down to struggle against some of those lower boys yeah i feel the steam was running out you know a couple injuries along the way um really really seemed to be hurting the boys and i think they just needed a little break so we'll uh and uh considering we haven't won in pit since 2015 i mean seemed fitting that last night was going to be the end of that streak so yeah yeah i mean just just to give florida a little bit of credit they're on their annual uh shit to bed for most of the season despite having incredible talent and then going on a late season run and missing the playoffs by about three points so <laughs> uh not surprised by that <laughs> One thing, too, that happened last night, they haven't really given a full update. Uh, Matt Grizzlick got hurt, left the game, didn't return. They said x-rays were negative, which was good, but they still haven't given a full update as to the amount of time he's going to miss and or if he's going to miss any time. To me, that's huge considering, I mean, I'm going to say it right now, the biggest steal in hockey, price-wise. I mean, $1.2 The kids are number, number three defensemen. McAvoy Chara him I mean there's no question um the kid's been phenomenal he should be the seventh player this year for the Bruins yet again my opinion but if you don't agree with it tough shit um yeah Grizzly has been huge the, the kid has been lights out he can play in the game Thursday he's the reason was it Thursday or the Saturday game it was Thursday, the, Thursday game yep yeah where he he gets that puck and they thought that 
he was just going to kind of chip it back in and the Bees were going to play for overtime and he does a spin around at the red line, comes up, hits somebody with the pass. Now they're breaking in. They, they come in and they score. They win a game. So Matt Grizzlick to me has been phenomenal. I was pissed at the beginning of the year. He was the seventh D to John Moore. I'm like, no, th- this can't be. I know Sweeney signed him for, you know, two and a half mil for five years. I'm like, no, Gr- Grizzlick's going to come out and play. And he has. And thank God. And even the, uh, in between the commercial interview last night with Cassidy when they talked about Grizzly being out, I mean, Cassidy even said he's like, he's huge for us. He's he's huge, and there's no question. There's no question. First of all, that's former Ranger John Moore. Uh, the other point is, so if Grizzly misses some time, I know you guys still have more on the back end. Uh, how does that alter your top four pairings, and do you guys have enough depth to overcome? Like, let's say Grizzly misses some time, and... Uh, like Chara needs a few days off before the playoffs pick up. Who are you guys sliding in? A little ugly right now because Kevin Miller's still hurt. So it's going to have to be some guys from Providence. Um, I don't even know if they bring Vakaninen back up. Uh, it could be Lozon. He's played a little bit. So uh, it definitely could be a little iffy towards the end of the year. Um, also, at the end of the year, I don't mind call-ups for guys to rest a couple of games, but... I also don't want to mess with chemistry too much either, you know, especially when you're getting right to that point where games really matter. So, yeah, I don't know how to feel. Yeah, I mean, huge. We need Miller back. I mean, it seems like he just keeps getting put off and put off. So, you know, without him going, you know, one of these other guys takes a serious injury. You know, Crew goes out, McAvoy goes out, who seems he's been played by the injury bug recently. You know, it's going to be uh, it's going to be tough fill those shoes because unfortunately yeah providence you know they've got some solid guys but nobody really ready to jump in and fill that role hey benny i know you guys already dealt them but we definitely could have used adam mcquade for that other half of miller being hurt <laughs> i mean i would have given them to you for grizzle <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I was telling uh kevin i think like three months ago uh when i was gearing up for the rangers trade deadline sell-off it's like man if i can get Grizzly from you guys. Now it's before he started cementing his status with the team, and now there's no chance of that happening anytime soon. Yeah, no, gone forever. The the only thing I could uh, think of is if if when his contract's up next year, if he kind of outprices himself and he's like, I want to hit the market and I want to make big boy money, and the bees kind of yeah. drag their feet. But I'm not worried about I, that. Hometown kid, hometown discount. Keep him forever. Let's go. Let's I will it, say. Besides the guys up in Boston looking like they're playoff ready, Jackie Boy sounds playoff ready after that Bergeron OT winning call. I, I'm pretty sure he brought those boxer briefs to the dry cleaner and they still cannot get that <laughs> oyster out. <laughs> I mean, Jack, first round Jack in the playoffs too is just perfect. I, I might have to cut up a couple of clips for uh, next week. Bergeron! Bergeron! But yeah, I'm getting ready for a little first-round playoff action, Jack. Brickley's yeah, already started drinking to get ready for, you know, <laughs> putting up with Jack. I don't know how he puts up with him in there, but, you know, he seems to make it work somehow. Yeah, my two favorites from Edwards are the Game 7 winner by Bergeron against Toronto, and then uh, when Lucic pounded the crap at a commissaric, and he's like, we have beaten them and beaten them up. Yes, I was at that game. Actually, uh, know who was actually on the Jumbotron that game? The big, sexy Kyle Eisner. The Kyle Eisner. Woof. <laughs> um, well, I guess now we can get away from the Bruins. Uh, Thankfully. Benny, did you see that Johnny Boychek, uh Voracek incident this week? What was your take on that? Yeah, I mean, most of uh, the injury, and I'll post this on our Facebook page where people can have a visual if they haven't seen it yet. Uh, most of the injury was caused by just how fast Boychuk was coming in uh, for that puck being wrapped around the end boards. But Voracek stepping into him, not even trying to play the puck. Uh, Boychuk looked like he was severely uh, injured while he was on the ice, but then he was able to get up and find Voracek in the penalty box and tell him, I'm coming for you with their one game left uh, that they played the Flyers in the regular season. Uh, so look, circling that one on the calendar is uh, because Boychuk is not one to pretty much fuck around and not back up his words. Yeah, I was watching that video, and to me, it's just really cheap on Voracek's end. Like, Johnny's going in there to play that puck. Obviously, he's going after Voracek, and for him to do, what do you even call that? The reverse 
the reverse the, hit. The but, reverse hit. Yeah, Quote but unquote, I mean, like the reverse hit. Yeah, yeah, but it's like if he's next to the boards, like and close to the puck, I'm okay with it. But he was still like five feet from the boards when he did it. Like he wasn't even playing the puck yet. Yeah. I, I mean, a reverse hit is the guy who's coming in to hit you is expecting it. Puck was still in the corner. They're basically at the faceoff dot, and Voracek just absolutely lays him out. I mean. At first glance, if you're just looking at it, looks like a good hit. But then when they slowed it down and showed the opposite angle, and you just see how far. I mean, Puck's easily 10 feet away from Voracek. Voychuk would never expect that he's going to absolutely throw a hit at that point. Voychuk's head's down. He's looking at the puck, you know, trying to gauge where it's going to be and at what point he can put his contact on. And Voracek just absolutely drops the hammer. I mean, dirty hit in my opinion. Dirty hit. So. Yeah, Voychuk wasn't going in there. The hit. Voracek, and then he just countered uh, Boychuk. Boychuk was going in there for the puck, and Voracek was just like, ah, oh, fuck it, I'm just going to stick my elbow out here and lay him the fuck out. And the other thing, too, did you guys see after Voracek got the suspension from the NHL, he goes on Twitter and he puts four crying faces on his Twitter. <laughs> and then the outlash from the Philly fans as to how dare they, they were like, well, you know, next time you should just swing your stick at him and hit him in the head like Gino did. I'm like, oh, oh here we just... go, because Gino gets one game, and now he got two. Oh, here we go. I, I mean, that's that's the problem now. Uh, you know, every every suspension is, you know, under the fine microscope of, well, this guy got two games, this guy got four games, you know. Each each one has to be, be individually assessed, and, you know, they're not going to be able to. There's no, you know, cookie-cutter approach to assessing, you know, sus- these suspensions, so... It is what it is, but I think uh, Voracek better watch his back because uh, seeing Boychuk in Boston, he's a tough mother, and I think uh, next game he's definitely going to be going over after Voracek pretty hard. So, I think yeah. opening face-off, you let them both go, buckets off, and fucking just get after it. Is it in Philly too, Benny, the next one? Uh, it is in Philly. Oh, my God. Dude, call it now. Get fucking George Paros there now. Get him the first-class train ticket from New York to Philly. There's going to be blood, and those fans are fu- – that one's going to be a good one. Yeah, I mean, the three of us know how this works, and the proper way to handle it should be the first time both guys are on the ice together, they square up and drop the gloves and end it, and both teams move on instead of this Philly sending out a guy to go after Boychuk so he doesn't go after Boychuk, and the referees need to get a handle on situations so it doesn't become multiple line brawls, but – the thing that I think agitated Voracek even more was as he pointed at Voracek in the penalty box, Voracek just clapped back at him, like clapping his hands as he was Voracek was skating off the ice. And, I mean, did you hear the biggest roar from the Islanders fans of the year was when that happened? So who knows? Maybe the Islanders fans are still alive, too. Yeah, because they have fish sticks for brains, too. <laughs> Do you like fish sticks? So you're a gay fish? <laughs> Sorry, I had to let that one out. Um, well, since we're on the two-game suspension talk, Jack Eichel also suspended for two games this week for his hit on Carl Soderberg in Colorado. Um, I saw the video, and the only thing that drives me crazy there is Jack comes in, and if that's Jack in Soderberg's position or any other time, that's a poke check coming across. And for him to just kind of come the way it's because if Jack ever got ran over like that, there's hell to pay. I mean, it's yeah. Carl Soderberg. It's like, we got rid of him for nothing. Have a, have a good day. How are you? See you later. But, um, no, I mean, if that happens to Eichel, this is something completely different. And to me, it just aggravates me because him being the star player, is like, I'm not mad he's playing physical. I'm just mad that any other time that would have been a poke check, and he's not even looking to do it there. He's just going right at him. Yeah, the issue for me is it wasn't like a last-minute crouch or reach uh, over by Soderbergh that pretty much left Eichel in a suspicious position of he already committed to a shoulder-to-shoulder, and then Soderbergh kind of ducked, and that's why he made contact with his head. Uh, it was an issue of Eichel saw him reaching down, and he still even kind of, if you look at the slow-mo of the video, he angles his shoulder to still make principal contact with Soderbergh's head. So that right there, he's, I don't, again, he's not a dirty player. He's not a guy like Tom Wilson. But that's a decision right there that 
kind of skews the line of just going in for a hard play. You know, I'm, I'm going to take the opposite stance on this. And, you know, I think there has to be some hold up on Soderberg's part as well. I mean, guy's completely bent over. He sees somebody's coming. He's got to be able to, you know, as we said with the Voracek, be able to lay that reverse hit. I mean, he's just put in himself in a completely vulnerable position, bent over, one hand on the stick, fully leaning over. I mean, you, Eichel can't crouch down. I mean, he could have tried to work him a little bit more into the boards. He went at more of a direct angle. But I still think there has to be some of that on Soderberg to actually get his head up and realize what's coming and get out of the way of that. So, You know what? I, yeah, that's a good point. That's an actual large point that I've been making a little bit for a while now is the way the NHL rulebook is enforced, it leads to players not feeling like they need to protect themselves or actively looking to put themselves in vulnerable positions in order to draw a penalty or whatever. Uh, you see that all the time when a puck is dumped in and a defenseman at the last second turns his back towards the guy who's about to shoulder to shoulder and then he takes the hit uh, face first into the glass to get that boarding call. Uh, so there is, I think, an element of, well, if I get run over here, it's going to be probably a five-minute major power play for us. Um, obviously, they're not trying to hurt themselves, or especially with head injuries, but I do think that there's been an uptick in guys just kind of at the last second leaning into a hit or ducking down to make the uh, instead of shoulder-to-shoulder or shoulder-to-chest uh, head contact. I got a question for you there. On this play specifically, do you think Soderberg goes at that puck that way because he knows it's Eichel and he doesn't think there's going to be any contact? Like, he thinks that's going to be 100%. a poke check? Just, just not expecting it. Just It's Jack at the star player. I'm just He's just going to poke check me. There's going to be no contact. Yeah, if Soderberg was going for that puck and Lucic was coming across the blue line, I mean, Lucic is just like a gorilla anyway. But if that was like Luch or, you know, even like a Jesper Foss in the Rangers, who's like one of the leading checkers in the league, you're not leaning in with your head to go for that one-handed poke check, I don't think. No, I'm with you on that. I think it's just awareness. I- yeah. I could let him know, though. Now everybody knows to keep your fucking head up on a swivel when Eichel's coming across. Dude, Jack's a beast. Like, don't let him fool you. Like, him in the gym, he's, like, cleaning, like, 350, 425. Like, he's a fucking monster. So if you run into him, you're going to know. I mean, the only thing the kid really needs more than anything is just a fucking haircut because that hair is atrocious. <laughs> but I think your brillo head. Oh, my God. That thing. And, like, and then he shaves the sides. Like, I don't know if he's going for, like, the <laughs> soccer player look or what. But, I mean, the only thing getting him, like, kills and, and warmies when he goes out without it is that they they got up cat friendly and they're like, all right, cat friendly. Oh, this guy's making, you know, 11 a year. We should definitely go after him. Here you go, Jack. Well, the, his, the biggest thing for me is his face makes him look like he's still like a 17-year-old draft-eligible player, and then his hair makes him look like a 45-year-old Middle America lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, drifting away from uh, Jack, uh, <laughs> you, you want to talk about your boy Tank out in St. Louis, Benny? Yeah, this is going to hurt uh, my political aspirations, this podcast. I can feel it. Um yeah, Tarasenko uh, initially was diagnosed, Vladimir Tarasenko was initially diagnosed with a day-to-day injury after the Blues beat the Kings for nothing. That's now turned to a minimum of 10 days, uh, and they haven't specified the specific injury outside of upper body. Uh, if you take a look at the hit, I'm guessing it has something to do with his shoulder, probably uh, separation. Uh, which is a problem since there's only about three, three and a half weeks left in a regular season, and that could linger a pretty long time. As I think, uh, I know me and Kev have, but at some point, I'm sure Shadi separated a shoulder, and that takes a little bit of time to get over and get your strength back completely and get back to where you were. So, Blues are sh- uh, streaking. It's just now that's a big question mark hanging over the heads before the playoff push. Yeah, I mean, five games up on that uh, first-place wild-card spot over Dallas. Um, you know, points points quickly fall at this time of the season. So, you know, being without one of your top guys and unfortunately without a estimated return time, you know, they just will say, quote-unquote, we're going to reincess it. But who knows what that actually means. So uh, this, this could be a big blow for the Blues going forward here. 
a random TBT because I figure we'll just talk about it now. Uh, Stratty was actually supposed to play me in high school, but actually sat out due to a separated shoulder. So, random fun fact for the day. Probably uh, happy because I was. We was we, a phantom separated shoulder. You wanted no part of KC. He, he did well, we, we were we were in the top ten in the state, and Cambridge was like number one hundred ninety in the state. So you know, <laughs> we were, it was more we were just resting our good players for a playoff push. But you know, if that's what he wants to believe, we'll let him know that. So you know, uh, for the record, I could skate then. I was probably about sixty pounds. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, probably about 60 pounds ago, but I could skate then and I could check then. So, I mean, I think for a uh, N10 defenseman like Stratty, he did not want to run into the train that was KC, but uh, it's not a big two, deal. Two adolescent beanstalks going after each other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was before, like, my shoulders popped and my dick dropped. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm with you boys for sure. Tank definitely carries that team out in St. Louis. Everything that they've been streaking on right now, they've, I mean, 5-3-2 and two in their last 10. Um, before that, they were definitely on a tear. Obviously, things are slowing down a little bit, but it does not help them that their best players out. Yeah, but Jaden Schwartz, who I would have to say probably the last season and a half has been a shell of what he was in like the 2016-17 season, needs to step up. He, even during the Blues' recent hot streak, he hasn't really been putting up points. Uh, he used to put up a lot of power play points. Has been struggling there too. This is a time where there's going to be everybody's going to slot up. So now he's probably going to get first line minutes. He's going to need to pick up his play. Otherwise, the Blues have a big hole on our and uh, on top forward. Yeah, and I mean they need Bennington to still carry them too. Um, obviously, as a goalie, a lot of it has to do with the team that's in front of you, and they haven't been what they were when they were on that. What was it a 12 game win streak yeah but at the same time like he needs to be a little bit better too maybe they can shift jake allen to forward try and get something out of him <laughs> get something on the contract before they void <laughs> it this summer <coughs> um getting away from tarasenko how about that players tribute i'm sorry why did i call it players tribute? the athletic poll that came out this week uh, yeah, I saw this this week. It was basically an anonymous poll around a league of players. Uh, they asked a bunch of questions. Who's the best all-around player, the most overrated player, uh, the hardest uh, guy to play against, best coach, things like that. Uh, I'm curious if any of you, if you just want to run through each one and give thoughts or if there's certain things that we wanted uh, to highlight that each of us found interesting. Um, I guess we could route real quick. Like the first one, who's the best all-around player in the NHL today? If you expected a different answer than Crosby or McDavid, like I, I think we can all agree on that, that that's kind of mute point. I, th- I think it's interesting. Well, dude, I, to be honest, I'm surprised it was as high as 11%, but uh, Patty Bergeron getting third place in the, in the entire league. I think that comes down to everything. Like, well, you want to talk about everything on the ice, off the ice. You got the hardest working guy, forecheck, backcheck, paycheck. Like, I think it's just if you're a GM or just a fantasy hockey player or if you got NHL and you do the whole thing and you start the thing off, like, I think you want the best player for your team. And granted, Crosby and McDavid may be the best players in the world. But if you want the best player for your team, you start with Patrice Bergeron. Ooh, scorching from that hot take. Look, get the <laughs> quotes ready. Put that quote before this thing's even up, Benny. Quote that thing now. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, Bergie's just a stand-up, stand-up guy, you know. Everybody around the league respects him, and I think that's why, you know, he got as many votes as he did. You know, people just see, you know, he's not going to have the flash of the McDavid and the Crosby, but what he brings night in and night out, you know, speaks in volumes. And it's, you know, this play, this uh, poll was voted on by players within the league, you know, not the fans who only see the razzmatazz of the highlight goals. So I think, I think that says a lot and, you know, he should uh, be pretty proud to get, you know, that many votes up there. Yeah. uh, Bergeron is like, I've said this repeatedly, my favorite non ranger pretty much his entire career and probably the only Boston sports athlete that's at least prominent that I haven't said one bad thing about in my entire life. So that's, you hang that up there in a rap. That's saying a lot. Players. That's saying a lot. So 
Yeah, fuck Marshan. Can we quote Raz Razumtaz? That one too. That one was pretty good. <laughs> uh, the, one of the things, uh, if I can just get off best player uh, responses for a second, uh, the second question I asked, and you guys are gonna find this shocking, but Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Final, who do you want starting in goal? So you hear the top five responses: Carey Price got number one at twenty eight percent, followed by Mark Andre Fleury, Andre Vasilevsky, Jonathan Quick, and Braden Holpe. Where the fuck is the king for Game 7 of the Stanley Cup? You're taking, first of all, Quick hasn't mattered since 2016, maybe even 2015. Holby. Oh, there's about to be a fight. There is a UMass alum on this show. I cannot wait. I'm sitting back and listening. (laughs) Unfortunately, I do have to agree. The guy is, I mean, he's been banged up left and right. I have no idea how his name even finds his way onto this list right now. When he was healthy, he was money in the Olympics and everything else. It's just he hasn't been that for a few years. Holpe has lost multiple Game 7s to the Rangers. Vasilevsky hasn't won jack shit yet. Like, put me in goal. I'll probably get a 3.0 goals against average for Tampa Bay. Flurry got run out of town by Pittsburgh for fucking Matt Murray. Carey Price is Carey Price. I go give that to him. He struggled last year. But not even in the top five to have Lundqvist in there. Pissed me the hell off. I mean, that's understandable, too, because... You look around, and obviously the team isn't what it is. We we can all agree that you guys are in a rebuild, but Hank has been the only non-question mark there. And, I mean, it's been that way for years, no matter who's on the team. Yeah, I mean, before the season, the Athletic had him uh, ranked as the 25th best goalie in the National Hockey League, which I will... I'd rather die than see Lundqvist ranked as 25th because you're talking about guys. They had Jake Allen ranked higher than him. So I know this is the player's poll, but, I mean, Lundqvist, you think after all the years that he's put up consistently, he's like the Rivera of goaltending and hockey. Like, there are guys who are going to have better individual seasons than Lundqvist. They might even have a better three-year run. But pound for pound consistently since 06, he's probably – up there it's like the number one or number two goalie in the nhl well he probably pissed a lot of people off because he has such a huge horn that fucking, <laughs> you know that's probably what it guys is already got that going from what else does <laughs> yeah, he need you know we're not yeah, come on man out. i'm a rangers fan struggling i need something to hang on to here. Throw, throw him a bone throw him a bone now did i not hear uh pekka's name on that list no pekka Pekka's not on that wow i mean i think yeah, that to comes down quick, to... to have quick in there and no pekka i mean that's i don't know i'm not sure about that one I think it comes down to how bad Pekka is on the road in the playoffs. Like, yeah. at home, he's he's really good, but anywhere on the road, it just never looks good, just a puddle. Yeah. And, I mean, as a Nashville guy, I hope it's corrected this year and I'm partying down the Cape. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm surprised there was no Tuca for two U's, two K's, and two personalities. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, if we're just going to scroll down, most underrated player in the NHL, Alexander Barkov, 26%. That's a, I think that's a really good choice. Uh, even though he was voted, he was fourth in the poll for best player in the league. So the fact that he's voted most underrated is interesting. Uh, Jared Spurgeon came in fourth, 6%. I thought that was pretty interesting there. I, w- I was not expecting him there, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think Jared Spurgeon doesn't think he's the most underrated guy in the league. I don't I don't even know where to begin with that. Who who else was on that list? Uh so you had uh Barkoff was number one, Nicholas Backstrom was number two, he was tied with Braden Point uh for second at eight percent. Spurgeon was fourth and then Mark Giordano rounded out the top five. I mean maybe Giordano's just because he's a little bit older and he's playing up in Calgary now, like maybe they don't expect much out of him, so that's why People say he's underrated, but didn't he win the Norris like two years ago? Yeah, I think he either won it or finished in the top three for voting. I'm surprised Pavelski hasn't gotten love on that either out here in San Jose. Well, I just don't know how like people who are like superstars, and I I say because you say Pavelski, (laughs) but it's like I don't consider Joe Pavelski as underrated in the league. I consider him as an elite player. Yeah, Giordano, like I said, just because he's older, I wouldn't say he's underrated. I I would still say he's a cornerstone defenseman for your team. Maybe recognition is a better word than underrated. I'm just, 
Nicholas Backstrom, I need him off this list because of those shitty Geico commercials during the playoffs <laughs> the last two, three years. I mean, he's just been buried behind Ovechkin's shadow. I yeah. Mean, I mean, that's, I think, I think that's, you know, the players throwing him a little nod saying, you know, I don't think they would have brought the cup home last year if, you know, Backstrom wasn't there, even though Ovi takes all the credit for everything he does. So. Yeah. On the flip side of that, the most overrated player in the NHL, PK Subban, 23% runaway for most overrated. Patrick Laine came in second, 9%. Aaron Ekblad, third. Dion Fanu, fourth. And Eric Carlson, fifth at 4%. I find it interesting that with this, too, only 63% of the players actually answered the question, even though it wasn't like, you know, Joe Thornton said this and they wrote it in their book. It was just questions. It was kind of anonymous. I find it funny that only 63% answered that. But that knock on P.K. Subban is he's got a good shot, and that's about it. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think defensively he's pretty good i mean he, he's a little bit of a maniac in the dn because he's here there and everywhere <laughs> kind of bouncing all over the place a little bit of like an energizer bunny but i don't think i would consider him one of the most overrated maybe it, it could be the contract too i mean 10 million dollars a year for the next however yeah. many he's locked up for. yeah but yeah, i think a lot of these have to do with contracts i mean carlson out there i mean Huge signs of big ticket guys done, you know, very minimal out there for San Jose. So I think a lot of it is more the contracts and what these guys are getting and some of the other players around the league not really respecting, you know, those numbers that they brought in. So, yeah, my question to you guys is Subban gets $10 million a year. I know he's younger when he signed that deal, so that probably helps him out uh, since there is a cap on year. So you overcompensate in average annual value. But if he's getting $10 million, what is Carlson going to get this summer? Well, with you being out in San Jose, I got a question for you. Does he stay there? Because when this whole trade happened, the biggest news they were talking about was, is Eric Carlson going to sign? Is Eric Carlson going to sign? And now it's been silent. There's been nothing about an extension, no anything. And whether that's him not wanting to talk during the season, his agent, whatever it is, but there's been nothing. And I find that strange because... I mean, if you could have Eric Carlson and Brent Burns on your defensive core, I don't know how this extension isn't already signed. Yeah, so the reason for that is uh, the agent for Carlson reached out to uh, San Jose management during the preseason to discuss if they wanted to open up negotiations. And they talked to Eric Carlson directly and said listen we're going to give you as much time as you want we know this is your first time playing for a different organization we want you to get your feet wet get to know us get to know the area without the pressure of us also trying to negotiate at the same time uh so they basically left it up to carlson on when they wanted to kick off negotiations and carlson the only quote he's given is san jose has done everything they've promised and given me everything that i need but i want to hold off until uh, after our playoff run is over hopefully in june Money, 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 money. So, for your question, I'm conflicted because if I was a just a straight up hockey fan, he would be crazy not to stay out here in San Jose. The team is built long term. They have their guys locked up outside of uh, Thornton. Uh, the area is great. Um, the, one of the best organizations in the sport. But as a Rangers fan who has another famous Swede on a team that needs a number one defenseman, I'm like, please leave San Jose and go to New York, even though I, I don't think he's leaving here. Keep dreaming. Keep dreaming. Yeah. I will, I will give you $10 million a year to come to New York and just shovel the shit with Shattenkirk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number five was which coach aside from your own would you most want to play for? Tie between Cooper and Gallant. I have no question that Coop was going to be up there. Uh, Everybody on this show, listens to this show, knows I'm a huge John Cooper fan. I've loved Coop since the AHL days. Um, just a you great just guy. Get off your knees a little bit. Dude, don't worry. I'm going to be working in Tampa next year. <laughs> Fuck. Um, great guy. Great story behind him. Uh, some of the other things, too, that guys don't know about is the things he does off the ice with the players, I think, is what makes him so good. I know when they were in... It was either Norfolk or Syracuse. I believe it was both, but 
in the AHL, usually Monday is a complete off day because you've either played both Saturday and Sunday, sometimes three and three, so include Friday. With that, Monday's just usually kind of a rest day. He used to have this thing called La Liga, and he deemed four captains, and everyone picked their team from players through coaches to management, or hockey operations, I should say, at the AHL level. And every Monday night, they would have bowling league, and they would go out and they would crush beers just to be away from the rink, everyone together, just have a good time. And currently in Tampa... He semi does the same thing, obviously, with the NHL schedule, a little bit different as to when you're going to be home, when you're going to be away. But they have La Liga down there, but instead of bowling, it's golfing. So, you know, one day they go have practice. After that, they all shoot out to the golf course and they all go play rounds together. So I think for the family aspect point of it, the team aspect point of it, Coop is just the man, keeps it all together. Um, Yeah, hats off to Coop. Yeah, Yeah, Cooper... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I mean, I think you're just seeing a, a transition in the coaching respect between, you know, sort of the old stalwarts that you used to have, the yellers, the screamers, and now with how young the league is, how, you know, these these players are so young when they're coming in, developing at such a young age, you need a coach who's going to be able to relate with them, not just going to get up in their face and yell at them, but sort of, you know, work with them to make them reach their max potential. And I think you're seeing that, you know with the Cassidy's, you know, with, with these other coaches out there that, you know, the, the younger the coaches are, they can relate with these guys. They can go out and have fun with the boys. And it's not just coming and play mind games with them the next day. And, so, and not to mention too, whether this goes to Steve Eiserman or just the players, but he has down there long-term now, Stamkos, Hedman, he signed all these guys long-term to team-friendly deals. Tyler Johnson, McDonough. Like, McDonough, like everyone's down there and they're not leaving. Whether it's just because it's Florida, nice, you can go, like everything else, but obviously there's more to it. Isn't Kucherov, not this summer, but next summer, his contract's up? Yeah, he's up, so they're going to have to pay some big dough for that guy. <laughs> yeah, and point JT Miller's probably going to be on a move again. In, in one random quote from when we were in the AHL, Benny, from uh, John Cooper, uh, my wife, Jesse says the success of a coach is contingent on three easy steps, an understanding wife, a loyal dog, and one heck of a goalie. <laughs> well, you know, I have long quests. I consider you my dog, and the first lady's pretty good, so maybe I'd be a good coach. Maybe. You never know, pal. You never know. You got to give it a try. <laughs> Uh, the one interesting note about this specific question is I know he's not currently uh, coaching, so maybe that's why he wasn't on air. Probably was limited to just active coaches. But if it wasn't limited to that, Coach Q not even in the top five for coaches, guys who want to play for. That's interesting. So, And you have Galan at tied with Cooper for number one. Uh, so that just goes to show you how Florida leaving him basically outside of the bus for him to go to Las Vegas and do what he's doing now. And they're probably going to fire uh, Boone this summer and try and bring down Quenville there. Uh, I I wonder if when the Lightning made their final against the Blackhawks, uh, Guy Boucher was the coach. I wonder if they would have had a different end result if Cooper was there with the guys because nobody in Tampa liked playing for Cooper. No, Coop was uh, there. Or, it wasn't... Uh, Boucher. No, it was Cooper. It wasn't Boucher. It was Cooper. Yeah, was that his first year? Yes. Okay, so that's why they probably made it then. All right, forget me. Um, interesting, though, that on that list and the next question of who, which coach would you not want to play for, Tortorella's on both lists. Yeah, he was number one for not wanting to play for. Uh, I love Torts. Even if he wasn't the Rangers coach, like he reminds me of my hockey, my high school hockey coach. So I think I would have fit in well with him. Uh, Guy Boucher was on there; he's gone. I think Babcock having 15 percent of the vote is really interesting, just because of the stature he has around the sport, and maybe his style is not going to be a long-term solution for the Leafs. Well, it's because he's a fucking nutcase too. Like <laughs> you, you hear these like little things and you're like wow this guy's like kind of fucking crazy like that avery story where he's like you sliced my tires in the parking lot and avery's like i didn't do that and now he's thinking he's like fuck did i slice bad he's, tires? Like, himself. he's like did i actually you know gotta go back ask his buddies what he did the night before they're like no you were in the room all night you know playing mind games like that i mean 
yeah, I think I think the younger players probably were the ones who voted him as uh, least least likely to want to have as your coach, and probably some of the older guys around the league who uh, you know respect Torts. Um, I mean, I love this quote this week about the three on three. Just let them play until they die. Let's get rid of this the shootout. You know, I mean, he's just an old old time hockey guy, and uh, lo- love him or hate him, I mean, he is a he's a voice to be reckoned with in this league. So, yeah, most of the coaches on this list are hard ass, old school slash defensive minded guys, and two of them are fired. So you have Carlisle Boucher later on this list. They're out. Hitchcock is basically he came out of retirement. Is going to retire again. And then you're left with Tortorella and Babcock, who technically are the two best coaches from their respective countries. So, yeah, that, that's interesting to put too. And I mean, I'm I'm with you guys. I'm a huge Torts guy, and all the other guys that have played for him say, "How can you not appreciate honesty?" And at the same yeah. time, like, if you suck, you suck. You know it. I don't think he's going to really rub it in. But at the same time, you go in there demanding playing time. He's, do we want do we want to watch the tape <laughs> like you know like what the fuck i remember in new york when torch was the coach um dubinsky complained about his ice time and tortorella was like you haven't earned it yet and then dubinsky kept bitching and bitching so then tortorella put him out on the first line center role and had him play in the first period he had him play nine minutes of the first period and then when dubinsky came back to the room he's like now do you see why you ain't fucking playing you suck get back to the fourth line XOXO <laughs> um, I guess we don't even have to touch number seven. What's the most fun city to visit on the road? I think every hockey player when they saw Vegas was getting a team had never been more thrilled. I thought I was surprised it wasn't Boston. Just kidding. Yeah, no. no. Uh, uh, I think the interesting one is uh, which city, which team has the best fans? Vegas. Runaway at number one, followed by Montreal, Nashville, Winnipeg, and Chicago uh, for the top five for best fans. And on the other side of that, which team has the worst fans? Florida, which I don't know if they should be eligible for that because don't you need to have fans to have the worst fans as a team? Uh, Arizona, Carolina, Philly, and the Islanders. Arizona? I mean... You can't really blame anybody for choosing any of those. Like you like think about it in your head. You're like, yeah, I guess. I mean, four of those five teams, they don't have fans show up to the arena. So, well, I mean, yeah, you you just look at the Islanders. I mean, geez, first place division, they can't even you know pack the house. I mean, it's 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 just a joke, you know. Well, the, so the problem is that they started switching up in between. All the guys showed up at the wrong fucking place, so they didn't. They yeah, like, oh, exactly. Shit. You know, we got half sold out here, half sold out yeah. there. You know, like you mean the games I mean, some in of Brooklyn the warm, tonight? The warm markets, I can understand. You know, the Arizonas, the Floridas. I mean, it's it's hard. You know, they're not a traditional hockey market. I think you've seen growth in all those markets. You know, uh, especially Arizona. I do think there has been a steady uptick, and uh, you know, the appreciation of the team, but. It's uh, it's hard in those warm money markets. Who wants to go sit at your ass inside a rink on a you know a Saturday night when you could be out on the beach? You know. Yeah, it, it's all about management of the team too, because then you have Tampa Bay, and I lived in the area for a few years. Significant and passionate fan base in Tampa, but Miami can't do shit. And then you have Arizona having their troubles, and part of that issue was moving out of Phoenix, the city downtown, and moving to Glendale. And then you have on the opposite coast, Nashville, which has some of the best fans in the league. So sucks for Carolina. I just don't know what's going on there. I mean, they play in a college arena at this point. So um, it sucks for Arizona. They have a good young team. I can't wait for them to uh, be Stanley Cup contenders once they become the Quebec Nordiques. <laughs> Do you want to uh, take it away about Harry Howell this week? Uh, I just want to touch on one more quick thing about the poll first. Um, question 11, should the NHL's current playoff format be changed? 60-40, yes. I thought it would be more in favor of changing it than not. Um, I wanted to get your guys' opinion on what you think of the current format, uh, the pros and cons, I guess, and if you think it should be changed. Go ahead, Stratty. Uh, I, I have no, I have no problem with the way things are going right now. I mean, they're, they're, we're, I feel like we're nitpicking every single thing around the league right now, trying to, you know, make it more fan friendly or this or that. I mean, the the way the playoffs have been going, in my opinion, you know, you get seated, 
you go from there and that's the way it should be. So I I have no problem with the way things are right now. The only yeah. thing I wish is that if they go back to the old playoff format, I don't give a shit if you have the three team division, well, the three division leaders like you used to have, but you can't have that anymore. You can't have, like, remember when it would be like, oh, Boston 92 points, so-and-so 90 points, and then it would be <coughs> the division leader with 74 from the fucking central division. Like, you can't yeah, have like that. Atlanta. Yeah, like, you need the top eight teams, and that's it. And I know they want to pull, oh, well, we need rivalries and this, that, the other thing. But at the same time, like, this year, I, I think we can already agree that the second round is going to be Tampa and Boston. I don't want to, like, ruin everything, but it, it kind of seems like that's the way it's going. And with that, before the conference finals, one of the two best teams is already going to be out. And it's going to be the same thing in the West with Winnipeg and Nashville. So, and San Jose, Calgary. Yeah, so to me, it's just kind of like, I think you just kind of top eight teams, let them go. I mean, if the teams are good enough, they're going to play each other, so you don't have to worry about a rivalry. And like, if they're good enough, they'll cross paths. Yeah, I kind of like, I don't think they're going to change the division format. They're probably going to stick with two eight uh, team divisions in each conference. Um, but I I could be in favor of having the two division winners be one and two based on their point total, and then the last six teams are just based on points. It doesn't matter what conference, you're, uh, what division you're in, anything like that. You can have Boston play the Blue Jackets in the first round, Pittsburgh versus Montreal, whatever. Uh, so I can see that kind of like what the NBA does. The other suggestion that I saw out there that a few GMs apparently are, are going to be proposing at the Board of Governors meetings is once the playoffs start, you just take the top 16 teams for the playoffs, regardless of conference, and they play each other. And that could go back to the old days of Boston, Montreal for the Stanley Cup. I saw that, and I thought it would be awesome. But the other thing I saw, too, like it, uh, you have a first-round Boston versus L.A. So now oh, yeah. automatically it's going to be your first three games are starting at 7, 7.30, so 4, 4.30 L.A. time. And then on the switch, it's going to be 10, 10.30 our time for the start. So th- yeah. that was the biggest television nightmare they were talking about. But I think that would be awesome, too, dude. Like, you cut it. I mean, the way the West looks right now, kind of shitty. You'd probably only have four Western Conference teams. But even then, I mean, that's what makes it exciting. you got to make it to the dance, kind of like the NCAA, you know? Yeah, I just don't see the league going for that. It's all about the money, especially when it comes playoff time. So, you know, having those late starts, especially in the early playoff series where the hype just isn't there yet. They're, they're, they're never going to go for that. I don't see that happening, unfortunately. No, and I mean, the other thing, too, they went without a TV deal for so long, the NHL, that there's no way they would risk losing NBC yeah. Sports yeah. right now. And that's up for a negotiation soon, too, so that's going to be another uh, windfall of money being added to the owners' pockets uh, that the players are probably going to want added to the hockey-related revenue. But that's a different discussion. Uh I used to complain all the time about, God, now we're playing Washington again in the playoffs, and now that we suck, I'm like, I'll take those matchups again. Come on up. Let's do it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, switching gears, uh, I know we, we talked about Ted Lindsay last week, uh, Hockey Hall of Famer that passed away. We had another one pass away this week, Hall of Famer Harry Harrell, uh, Rangers defenseman. He actually has played the most games in, uh, for the Rangers in their history. He played 1,160 games for the Rangers on the 50s and 60s. He had his number three recently retired by the team. Uh, all around, great franchise defenseman for the Rangers. He actually uh, played in a WHA too. Uh, he played for the Oakland California Golden Seals, the Kings before they joined the NHL, uh, San Diego and Calgary. Uh, his nickname was Harry DeHorse. He won a Norris Trophy in 1966. Uh, so really a trailblazer for during the league expansion and I guess, contraction in the 50s and 60s. Uh, he finally got his due with his jersey being retired after years and years of being in the Hall of Fame uh, last season. Uh, so sad news for the Ranger organization. I know it was only a month ago that his wife passed away, so that probably didn't help the process at all for him either at his home in Ontario. I mean, for him to play 1,100 games in the 50s and 60s, like he earned it, dude. That was a grind back then. I mean, yeah, no helmets, no injured lists, no player safety rules, nothing like that. 
He was actually a player coach for the New York, New Jersey team in the WHA too. So that was, uh, I think, one of the last guys to ever pull that feet off. That's interesting. Reggie Dunlaw, player coach, you know. <laughs> I love it. Uh, games and locks? Who do you got, boys? Let's have the guests go first. All right, well, I, I'm just going to do a game of the week. I'm not in on this poll. I'm not supporting any of you two coming to Boston or going <laughs> to New York, so I'm not jumping in on this, all right? But uh, game of the week, I'm actually going to go uh, Saturday night, uh, the Flames versus the Jets, first place in the Pacific, first place in the Central Division. I think it's going to be a good matchup between the boys. So, All right, I, I have a uh, – well, I guess before we get into it, I know you said you didn't want to get in between the me and Benny thing, but – we did talk about the other night. I guess we can invite Benny because he'll be back on the East Coast soon enough. Next year, we're going to an NHL game, not in Boston. And we're not talking about the one that me and you have bet. We're just we're picking a game and we're going. So the boys are going matter, on vacation. Does it matter which team? Is it like a Bruins road game that we're going to go to? I mean, no, we, I think we're, just, we're, just, we're just trying to you know, get around, see all, see all the rinks in the league. So, I mean, figure we're, we're just about 30 here. So, you know, probably by the time Casey's just about, you know, getting in the wheelchair, we'll hopefully have seen them all. <laughs> and, you know, so. I mean, I'm down for that. I'll go to uh, Alberta, Edmonton, Calgary again. That, that might be the one. I mean, I don't know if uh... – the wind blows pretty hard up there. It might blow the rest of my hair out, though, so i got to find a good hat. <laughs> we, we have talked about uh, this would be separate from that, but going to St. Louis for the NHL All-Star game and weekend uh, next January for uh, the All-Star weekend in St. Louis. Well, SLC might be able to sponsor that trip, you know. I'm just saying, you know, if, if, I, get, if I get the invite, we might be able to work something out, you know. So. It's Make-A-Wish Day at SLC. <laughs> <laughs> Um, my game this week, uh, going with Winnipeg too. I got the Bruins at Winnipeg. I think that's going to be a good game. Bees are going into a tough place to play on the road after losing Sunday, seeing if they get back on the horse. I think that's a big game. Same night is, uh, Thursday, same night. Sorry. Space for a sec. ADD. Uh, my lock Tampa at Detroit. Benny, you're coming to Boston. <laughs> Well, I pulled out that San Jose over St. Louis one in OT this past week, so that helped me out. Um, my game of the week, battling for the wild card spot, I have Dallas on the road against Minnesota on Thursday. Uh, big game there, two points, on, possible two points uh, for either team to kind of separate themselves from each other. Dallas still has a chance, I think, to catch up to St. Louis if they go on a hot streak uh, in the next week or two, especially with Tarasenko out. Uh, my lock of the week, I took a risk last week. I'm probably not going to take that risk again. I'm just going to go uh, Toronto on the road against Ottawa on a Saturday. And I'm calling Brady Kachuk with the game winner. <laughs> uh, so today, NHL history. So for March 11th, uh, kind of a busy day for the league. I'm going to start out with uh, your former boy. 2001, Colorado defenseman Ray Bork becomes the third player in NHL history to appear in 1,600 games. He played 29 minutes in the 1600 game in 2001. In 1998, Patrick Waugh became the NHL's leader in victories at the time among active goalies with 376. Uh, he beat the tie with Grant Fuhrer of the St. Louis Blues. Uh, in 1996, the Montreal Canadiens played their last game at the Forum, beating the Dallas Stars 4-1. Andre Kovalenko scores the final goal in the Forum's 72-year history. And lastly, in 1987, my birth year, Wayne Gretzky scores a goal and has three assists to reach 1,500 points in only 620 regular season games. I like it. Who we got for shout-outs this week? I'm gonna, I'll start. I'll, obviously, I'm going to go with a consistent shout-out to the First Lady. Uh, she's being supportive, kind of bordering on trying to kick me out to the East Coast, but I appreciate the support trying to get me out there. Um, I'm also going to give a shout out to Bobo for probably once again not listening. Go fuck yourself, Bobo. Uh, can we discuss that? I attempted to comment on the sweatpants picture and I was not able to. I, I was a oh, little hurt on Instagram. Yeah, it was like comments or like I don't know, like banned or some shit, or it was like limited numbers. I don't know what it was. Oh, really? Yeah. So I mean, I was going to say like I'm kind of a sweatpants connoisseur, not a big deal. Um, just kind of a well, dad. Comment on her Facebook photo. Yeah, I know, but I tried the Insta. Isn't Insta the way to go now? I don't know. 
no trolling allowed, Casey. I'm sorry, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think that's probably the NSA helping us out there. Let's say, why don't you dump Ben and come with me? Um, <laughs> Stratty, any shout-outs this week? I mean, I got to give a shout-out to you boys, you know? Uh, episode 24, I'm loving the show. Each week just seems to be getting better and better. Uh, clearly, you're stepping up your guest host as well, so I do appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, hopefully, might get the call back one of these days. And then uh, I'm going to give a shout-out to... Uh, the doctor up in New Hampshire taking care of all those little sick preemie babies. My wife, Jessica Truelove. So uh, thank you, boys, for having me on. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. We'll definitely have you back. Uh, Shout-outs this week. Big Red, the the apple of my eye, the, the keeper of my heart. Um, big shout-out to you, Stratty. We've been fucking killing it this week. A lot of bees games, a lot of beers. We had a great uh, good old day Saturday. Uh, we won't discuss what we did because we, we don't nope. need this to get we don't need this to get political. But uh, the boys yeah. had a day. Uh, Benny, I like I just can't control it. I just want to rip your clothes off sometimes. It's so far away. Just just come closer. Well, I think that's part of the allure because I'm playing hard to get. Once I'm there, you're not going to have any interest in me anymore. That's the way it goes, pal. Once you're too close, to kick to the curb. But well, I'm, think, what, I'm what, thinking once sorry. I'm back, we can play a pickup game. The three of us play some pond hockey. Well, speaking of that, rumor has it that uh, Kevin Naughton is coming out of retirement Wednesday night since having his first baby and uh, joining the JHF this week on the blue line. I mean, Wednesday nights is usually my drinking night, but I might have to uh, push that off and uh, get my ass out on the ice to play with you. Is this true? Can we confirm these rumors here? uh, I actually, I got a text from Lorenzo today. I was supposed to get home and ask because Friday night when we had our little party, our little extravaganza over here, um, Kendig's son, Maddie, of course, erased my whole blackboard. So I don't know if uh, Redder's working late that day or not. So I've completely <laughs> forgot to ask. But I'm going to ask now right after the show. But I would say yes, 90-10, yes, I am back. Uh, I will see you on the blue line. Champa, you can suck my dick. You and your uh, play the body in fucking men's league. Lorenza, save something. I know you're like a fucking Swiss cheese back there. Uh, Phil, El Chino Maslindo. Baby, come back. I know you might be scooping, but but take a night off scooping and come see Big Daddy Case back in action. Okay, so I need to comment on a couple of things here. (laughs) (laughs) First one is, if you're coming out of retirement, we need footage like the Sapruta film where we can post on our Facebook page of, you know, showing just exactly how good our uh, Casey is on the ice in his old age of retirement. Uh, Second, you know, I might get some flack not only from my girl, but from your girl, Kevin, here. But did I hear that you have to ask if you can play some hockey? Oh, no, no, I, it's not that. I just don't know what her work schedule is. So, I mean, if she's working till 8 o'clock and she's not home till 8.30, uh, it's kind of hard to be in hockey town for fucking 8.30 when I'm in Tuxbury. So that's all. Well, I think you should just say that her work schedule is your hockey schedule. Uh, yeah, sure. We'll <laughs> go with that. Yeah. The silence, the silence from Kevin tells me yeah. everything I need to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll go with that one, absolutely. <laughs> um, well, yeah, we will go with that. We're going to go get an answer right now. And uh, everybody, as always, thank you for listening. I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. I thought this was pretty good. I had a fun time with you guys. You know, just something about every time we come together, it's just beautiful every time. And uh, we'll catch you, everybody, next week. time.